Hello, hello, hello. Welcome, everybody, to the Hive With Us podcast. Uh, my name is Frank Spalding uh, here today. Uh, Daniel and Anthony are uh, working on other projects currently. I'm sitting here today with Raj Modi. Uh, Raj is in Jacksonville, Florida, and is a longtime investor, lender, developer, landlord, uh, very, very multifaceted, multi-talented. Uh, so uh, I give you Raj Modi, everybody. You there, Raj? Yeah, I'm here. How you doing? <laughs> Done you? Did you hear the intro or are you? I heard, I heard the you? intro. Uh, okay. I think the internet cut out a little bit. Okay. So yep. anyways, thank it you. Happens. Thank you. Nice, <laughs> nice to talk to you. Nice, uh, nice to be here. Thank you, Frank. Alrighty. So Raj, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I've known you for, uh, what is it now? About five, six years and you've never been a very public person. What's, uh, What's brought you out to the podcast today? Uh, tell the world a little bit about yourself. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I've been in real estate pretty much my whole life and uh, have enjoyed the whole industry. Um, been really busy the last decade or more than a decade doing deals. Uh, like you said, whether buying properties, being a landlord, commercial, residential, uh, doing the joint venture, uh, financing. So, uh, you know, my plate was always full. I didn't really have a, a huge need to to get out there and do uh, a ton of marketing or or kind of putting myself out there. But, you know, we're in it. We're in a different era now with, you know, with technology, with the changing market. And uh, I feel it's a really good time for me to um, be out there. Uh, obviously, always about doing deals. But uh, I think more importantly, sharing my knowledge and information with other people and helping them. I, I have been doing it for a while, but now maybe I could just do it in a more organized manner that, you know, benefits um, others and, of course, myself as well, and just create win-win uh, opportunities, which has been my motto since day one. So when was day one? Well, day one was... Uh, pretty early. Uh, I would say the day I got my driver license, 16 years old. <laughs> uh, so that's back in the nineties. Um, you know, uh, it probably started even before then, but that's th the reason why that time and that era sticks out to me is as soon as I got my driver license, I, I was able to be more flexible, whether it was going to properties, whether it was, uh, meeting people in, in real estate. Um, my father, you know, was a, uh, a landlord and, um, you know, we weren't, it wasn't a very, a large operation, but, you know, one of the first things I had to do was, uh, again, just go out and meet contractors and look at properties. And, uh, we had a commercial building. So, you know, if it required going to the courthouse to do, uh, paperwork over there for any reason. So the, the day I got my driver's license, I was, I was of course having fun, like any 16 year old would do, but, um, I was also, I was also uh, hitting the road and hitting the pavement with, uh, you know, just any kind of work. And then uh, the story from from that time to now is um, is pretty lengthy. So, you know, I'll, I'll uh, not go into too much detail, but a lot of different <laughs> tribulations, um, you know, right around that time was actually around the dot the dot com. Um, I was still in school, but uh, 
fast forward to the last recession, uh, the Great Recession in 08, 09. I mean, that's that's really where I I got my hands dirty, and and uh, ever since then, just been continuously evolving and uh, just doing more deals and in, in different facets. Okay, and you and you mentioned your father was a landlord, so you learned real. You know, you, you grew up in you're you're in the family business essentially. You grew up learning this. Grew up learning it, which is good because it's kind of ingrained in me. But I definitely have taken it to another whole other level uh, at a really young age. Uh, the entrepreneur entrepreneurial spirit, uh, venturing out to different cities, taking on new asset classes, taking on different. Uh, different styles. I mean, it's just, it's just totally evolved. So, you know, the best way that describes me is, um, is a little bit as old school with a little bit of new school. And I think that's one of the huge advantages I have. Um, you know, I, I remember doing business at a very young age, forget about social media. I mean, the internet even wasn't that popular. I mean, I'm talking about again, the nineties, uh, internet was new. And if it was new, email was new. If it wasn't, if it wasn't hotmail, it was, you know, just a bare bone thing. So, I mean, I remember doing business in that environment. I remember doing business in the environment where, you know, technology became a little bit more, um, you know, useful and common. And then here we are today where it's everything. I mean, I remember fax machines. And uh, so, so again, the good part is um, I just remember doing a lot of business the old fashioned way, but I understand today, you know, there's so much more efficiencies with technology kind of like what we're doing right now, having this podcast and having this Zoom. So there's there's a lot of better ways to do it, but I think I can mix the the old school with the new school. And I think that's what really uh, um, is a huge advantage for me and for, for whoever I work with. Most definitely, most definitely. I recall when I met you, I think it was at a networking event, but your office at that point in time uh, was an apartment complex you and your father owned, if I recall correctly. Yeah, that's true. And uh, that just goes back to that sentiment of, of old school. So just to touch base on that, it was a 200 unit apartment complex, uh, not small by any any means, but um, required a ton of hands on uh, management and operations. It was a complete renovation. I mean, again, I could write books on books just about that particular venture. But uh, since since you commented on the office, I mean, that's what it took. It, it took being there every single day, you know, not not behind spreadsheets and not really people giving me the, you know, the it just required being hands on on site all the time to make sure that venture was successful. And uh, and, it, and we, it turned out it was. But but again, it took a lot of time and energy and hard work. So um, um, I'm very grateful for that. But, yeah, I have, have definitely evolved. And that's just one quick example. Again, there's many of them of my experience over the last couple of decades and uh, and how I'm able to share that with people because that experience goes a long way. Um, and again, it, it's on so many different asset classes, so many different sizes of properties. And um, but, yeah, our, our office was there and uh, and we made sure it was a successful venture among many other ventures we were working on. But that was the biggest and uh, and yeah, I have evolved since then, and um, uh, overall, uh, great experience. Most definitely, and I, if I recall correctly, uh, you and your father also own the office building that you're in now, correct? Yeah, so we got an office building right now that 
we bought uh, about seven, eight years ago. Um, it was uh, 100% vacant. It was a bank-owned property. Quick story on that. It, um, you know, I approached the bank a year before we bought it saying, I'd like to buy it for XYZ price and here are my terms and they were very favorable. And uh, it took them about a year and a half to come back around and sell it to me at almost the same price. Um, they had it under contract five or six times. The, uh, the buyers couldn't perform and uh, bought it. And I'm very happy here, very grateful. Um, but yeah, that's the office building we're in uh, at the moment. Uh, have purchased shopping centers. Um, you know, when it comes to residential, pretty much every kind from high end to look to medium to low to duplexes, fourplexes, condominiums. I mean, there's there's very few asset classes I haven't uh, been involved in. And what asset classes specifically are you looking for uh, deals in uh, on, a, on a regular basis right now? Yeah, so right now, um, well, I'll start off with the few that I'm not. Uh, I'm not really looking to get back into the multifamily, although I understand that business very well. Uh, I just think it's too competitive and... Uh, too uh, too saturated right now. Um, the margins are too tight right now. Margins are very tight. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And um, it's uh, it, it requires, you know, that that's a that's a perfect example of an asset class that I think, you know, newcomers think is very, uh, I mean, I don't know what the word appealing or attractive to get into because it sounds great. Like, oh, I own an apartment building or apartment complex and things like that, but. Deep down, it requires to, to make good money on it. It requires a lot of hands-on. Uh, it's a huge learning It's a huge learning curve. Um, so I'm not really not really looking to get back into that um, office. I'm not crazy about either because you know we just went through the pandemic and you know this whole this whole work from home, this whole uh, uh, Zoom and technology and you know, that, that puts a little bit downer on that. Um, I'm not saying I wouldn't get into that, but I'm, I'm not as excited about that. Um, the, the, the one area I would say, uh, I'm a little bit more excited about is, is retail shopping centers, uh, mini storage. Um, you know, those, those couple of assets, uh, I'm, I'm more interested in. Those are definitely some positive asset classes uh, that I've been uh, targeting uh, both by education and marketing uh, myself. So mm -hmm. definitely like that. Um, I, now I understand uh, you're looking to partner with people. Uh, is that part of the, you know, coming out and getting a little bit more public now? Um, yeah. I mean, what on you're looking to do. Sure. Yeah. On that topic, I'm, it's not necessarily I'm looking to partner. I kind of feel I mean, the answer is yes, but I also feel it's kind of the other way around. I think with, um, you know, with with the capital that we have and with the with the knowledge base and with the uh, with the infrastructure I have, I just see it as a win win. So um, in the last couple of years, that's what I've focused a lot on is more of the partnership, joint venture, uh, private lending. Um, and one of the reasons for that is because I again, have, have an extensive amount of knowledge, but, um, you know, I had to make a decision whether to keep scaling my business, hiring more people and taking on more and more, uh, projects that require a lot of day-to-day, -day, uh, 
uh, staying on top and being being on the ball with all those projects. And I just knew I'd burn myself out if I kept doing it. So the whole idea about partnering, and it's a very loose word, so I don't want to, you know, go too, uh, too broad or too specific. But again, it can come in many different forms. But the idea is everybody brings something to the table. And uh, again, with with capital and with with knowledge and strategy, um, you know, one thing I didn't mention yet is I actually have my MBA in real estate and finance from from a very top tier school. Um, and, uh, you know, that's I'm very proud of it. But but what it is, is when it comes from a strategy and an execution standpoint, I I feel I, I have a lot of uh, knowledge and, and experience to bring to the table on top of the capital. But I understand that a lot of these deals require hands-on management or sometimes even just hands-on work. And so that's, that's a great opportunity for younger, smaller, uh, you know, investors. They don't necessarily got to be brand new. It's just that they could be, you know, they could have done a couple of deals and want to take it to the next level. That's, that's that kind of partnership that works well, where the other party is getting that they're getting my knowledge and expertise and, um, and all that. And in my case, like I said, I could do way more projects doing it that way than trying to take on everything for myself. And, and the, at, at the very end of each project, the goal would be, of course, for everybody to make money. Um, and the other thing would be for that investor or that partner, for what, if that's what we want to call it to, um, to be a little bit wiser and a little bit more experienced out of it as well. Yeah. Any, any worthwhile deal has to be, you know, it's best when it's a win-win for everybody uh, to any one-sided deals and you, you lose the ability to get people to deal with you for sure. Yeah. So, I, I, I think that win-win motto. The sellers. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That, that, that win-win motto to me has to apply in almost every facet of business. Um, you know, it could even be a landlord tenant. It can be, it could be a contractor, uh, property owner. I mean, it can, it extends further than just sometimes investor and investor or lender and borrower or something like that. I just feel it really has to apply in, in every facet of business. And, um, that should always be the motto. This show is sponsored by Hivemind CRM. It is more than just a CRM. It is a real estate and business mastermind that comes with an all-in-one CRM. You can have unlimited websites and users. You can call, text, RVM, and email all-in-one user interface. And you can set up custom automations for any type and multiple businesses. 65% of companies start using a CRM system within the first five years of business. Once implemented, the HiveMind will save you on marketing, give you more time, and make more money. One of our users has had his first $100,000 month using our system in June. We want to see you automate and accelerate your business. Text us at 210-972-1842 for future meetings. And of course, to get our $1 course on how to make more than six figures on one land deal. You can schedule your free demo today at hivemindcrm.io. So I know you also like to, you know, you, I know you and your father both, you know, prefer to be able to hold. So, you know, are you also still specifically targeting for purchase or has uh, the current pricing uh, of the economy 
kind of uh, tempered y'all a little bit on that, uh, waiting for better deals to come along? Uh, that's a good question because, you know, market cycles and the, the condition of the market is, you know, one of the most important things, um, you know, time, you know, a saying that I like to always keep in the back of my mind, it's, it's not an absolute, but, you know, the old saying in real estate is location, 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 which is, of course, extremely important. Um, I, I also like to combine that with timing, timing, timing. And I give a very interesting example. I say, if you, if an investor bought a property at the worst time, let's call it 07, 08, you know, uh, 15 years ago, and it was in the best location, you know, not even that location can save you because your timing was wrong. And if, you know, in 2012 and 13, when the market was just starting to, you know, accelerate from, from the last downturn, then, you know, they could have bought some, the investor could have bought something in the worst location and still made money. So, you know, uh, I, I say that just to kind of emphasize on your on your question and, and comment about, you know, market cycles and timings is very important. Um, so to answer that, yeah, you know, I've I've stayed a little bit away from buying the last couple of years. You know, we came out of this this uh, pandemic stimulus uh, market that I think was highly um, um, uh, you know, not say artificial, but, you know, there was a lot of not normal things going on. And so I just didn't feel like playing in that arena. Um, so that's where, again, my, my joint venture partnership borrower lender type of deals really accelerated during that time because, um, because it was just the right timing for it. Uh, buying, going back to buying properties uh, myself. Uh, I mean, I'm always kind of on the hunt, but yeah, I would agree with that statement that, you know, there, there might be a, a benefit in waiting a little bit. I mean, I'm, I'm not really waiting, but I'm not chasing either. Um, I think 2023 is going to be a, a challenging year for um, markets, for, for interest rates, uh, for, the, you know, what the Fed and their plan is. And so, you know, it's a, it's a, uh, a tough time for certain people, but it's also a huge opportunity an opportunistic time Definitely. yeah, in 23 and going into 24. And it, 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 it's not the same, but it reminds me a little bit of 06, 7, 8, you know, getting out of an environment that was very, um, you know, very crazy, heavily, heavily uh, uh, buyers, you know, out, out, the, out the wazoo. And it's just different. It's just a different environment, but it, it, it replicates a lot of those things. And I remember that time like it was yesterday. I tell people all the time, 08 is like ingrained in my head. If, you know, if someone says, oh, that was 15 years ago. It feels like yesterday to me because <laughs> it was a really, really unique time, um, you know, from all different facets, personally and professionally. And I just feel that, you know, it, it won't be the exact way, but there's a lot of similarities in it. And I think it pays to be patient sometimes. And to go back to your comment about, you know, holding properties long term, that you know, that's also another, another patient, you know, you, you use that word patient and that's another thing. I mean, I have, I still own properties that we bought in the last um, recession, let's call it 08, 9, 10. And throughout that whole cycle, never sold. Now I sold some, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to be as patient as possible. And the good part about, you know, investors or, or people who get into real estate and stay in it long-term is, 
you under you understand those cycles a lot more. You know, people who have people who have only been in real estate in the last decade or or smaller amounts of time frame haven't seen a down market. They've only seen things go on the up and up. And you know, again, going back to it, I've seen both sides. And uh, one of the things is you know uh, being patient and and holding on to properties is interesting because as investors own more more and more properties you could you could pick and choose so what i've done for example is sold some kept others and sometimes there are some properties you don't want to sell sometimes there's properties you want to sell and replace with others some some asset classes you want to get out of like i mentioned multifamily and you're not that keen on getting back into for the moment now that could change so again it's that strategy and it's that sort of long-term thinking that i bring to the table because I could I could analyze any kind of deal in the moment, but I can also have that one year, five year, ten year, twenty year uh, time horizon, you know, in the back of my mind as well. And it just a lot of it over time is just putting so many pieces of the puzzle together to be able to make very um, you know strategic and efficient decisions. Um, strategic, you know, there, there's one of the key words. So is it just pricing currently that's uh, souring you on the multifamily market? Or, uh, you know, I, I recall you said, you know, it was kind of resource intensive as far as your time also. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you had, you know, you took over and you moved your business into the office there on site. Uh, and there was always, you know, I, I recall going over there many times and there was always something going on with the property yeah. just yeah. as much as there was your other business ventures. So True. is it just the finance right now or is it just maybe, you know, it's, it, it, it's not a task you want to take on again or so a little bit need of both. to take on from a different manner, you know, maybe from a different manner. Yeah, absolutely. It's a little bit of both. And I think as uh you know, as as real estate entrepreneurs and as business people, you evolve. I mean, you, you have to. And so uh, but you also evolve as a person. And I think it's a combination of those two. It's a combination of, of what you just said, Frank, the environment, the business environment and also from a personal standpoint. And that's the thing that that people realize over time, too, is that it could certain things could be good for one person or one type of investor. And then they may not be for the other. So it goes back to evolving and cycles and um you know everybody has to kind of make their own own decision and own call and that's another thing that i've helped a lot of people over the last couple of years is again i've you know i've i've sort of done it indirectly i've mentored and and advised and strategically helped so many people over the last couple of years and when you asked me my the very first question about why am i kind of coming out right now and and being more vocal and um just sort of uh, uh, putting myself out there. It's because I've I've almost really been doing it uh, for the last over the decade. But but I think it really accelerated over the last couple of years. And now I'm like, okay, there's a there's a better way I can do this. There's a more organized way and and to help people, um, you know, more in, in a more structured manner than what I was doing sometimes before is having these two or three hour conversations with people in my office. Uh, or I would be going to their property or their project and spending two, three hours at a time, you know, telling them about all different options they have and different ways of doing what they want to do. And I, so it's like I've been doing it. I just think there's a better way I can do it to help more people on the masses. And um, but but yeah, that's that's kind of been been uh, how I've evolved over the last couple of years. 
how many people are, you know, and this kind of fits into the next question, how many people are on your team? And I know from talking to you a couple of times, you, you prefer to have eyes on each property that uh, both that you purchase. Obviously, you, you prefer to have eyes on and as much information about it, but also even properties that you lend on. Uh, you don't just trust someone to go take some photos. You like to go get uh, eyes on. Uh, does that also kind of limit you or ha have you found that that's saving you in the long run, potentially? Well, I think uh, it goes or back helping, to what I, I guess might be a better word. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry. No, it's a great, it's a great question. I think what happens is it goes back to that what I just said a minute ago. It's like to each to each their own. I mean, there's there, there's no exact way to do one or two things, but um, yeah, that'll be an adjustment. It, it, I've always took taken pride on looking at properties, uh, um, seeing people at the properties at my office. Uh, been a very one-to-one -one type of person to give a very, um, you know, personalized service. Um, and uh, I, I, real estate, the other thing is real estate is a very tangible, real, that's why it's called real estate. Um, it's a very real product. It's not like buying a stock. It's not like buying crypto. It's not like buying bonds, which is a piece of paper. And again, I just go back to it. My my experience is in doing things both ways. Of course, I can't just live on the field. I can't just I can't just hop in my car and, and go to a property every single time something happens. Of course, I make decisions also based on um, analysis, you know, from from every level. But but yeah, I mean, you know, that, and I think that's a whole interview podcast thing in its own. But but the short summary of it is. Um, you know, investors are people who think, uh, and I know this, this was very big in the pandemic because of course, a lot of people were at home and not getting on planes or not get, not going to see people, et cetera. Um, you know, one, a big myth I think is to think you could do, uh, real estate always just sitting behind a computer or doing analysis on an Excel or spreadsheet and, you know, and just photos. I mean, you can do it, of course, but um, I don't know. I'm a big I'm a big believer of of seeing seeing the property with my own eyes, touching it, smelling it, feeling it, and I have so many stories on that as well. I mean, when I when I say something like smelling it, I mean I can I can recount fire burn properties. You know, you that smell of smoke. Um, you know, I can. I'm just giving an example, but you know, and then when you go back to touching. Um, you know, is it, is it, is it brick? Is it concrete? Is it wood? Is there termites? Is there, it goes on and on. And so, you know, you can almost apply all the senses, you know, uh, maybe not taste. I mean, I don't think anyone's tasting a property, but you know, it's almost just from like touching, seeing, hearing, feeling. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a real product. And, uh, it goes back to what I said a minute ago, why, you know, why there's an old school and new school mixed to things. It's, I, I've experienced the, the, like the old school way, which is again just being at the property uh, uh, constantly, you know, just sort of uh, being being hands on, being right there. And then again, I understand the other side of the coin too. You have to you have to be able to work off of your your computer, your phone. You have to have you know team members, whether they're your direct employees, whether they're contractors. You know, yeah, that, that trust that that relationship has to be there as well. So. Uh, there's no right or wrong answer. I just think 
that in the last couple of years, uh, it's gotten a lot more in the direction of, oh, I could do this sitting, sitting in my chair, sitting in my computer, you know, uh, and, and I think, I think that, that limits yourself in that angle. But again, just like it limits, if you say, well, I can't make this decision on the phone. I got to go drive to the property to decide, am I going to put a, you know, a, a $50 toilet or a hundred dollar. I mean, yeah, you have to make those decisions without having to mm -hmm. go to the property, but, but that's just, that just goes back to experience and knowledge and how you want to do things. Because uh, I think you got to be able to do it both ways. Definitely. Most definitely. So uh, I know you gave us uh, currently just an email address. Uh, I know you're working on a site uh, to be able to present, uh, you know, for as a way for people to get in touch with you uh, and such like that. I know they can reach you at rajatmodi.com, which is uh, showing on the screen right now. Uh, by the time this episode comes out, we will, uh, I know uh, you said you'll have a, a domain for us, a site up and uh, ready uh, that we can add to the show notes uh, so that everybody can reach out to you that way. Um, what, what, you know, what's, you know, explain, uh, maybe, uh, the part, you know, maybe, uh, you know, someone brings you a deal, you know, what, what do you prefer? You know, uh, what do you, what do you expect from them to be able to properly, uh, uh vet a deal, I guess, you know, might be a good way to say it, you know, is it a deal? Is it not a deal, et cetera? What, what information are you going to want from them? The show is sponsored by the list guys. Do you need more leads in your local or virtual market? One in 10 small businesses don't invest in any kind of marketing. The list guys have over 35 plus list types to choose from and you can mix and match any list or criteria. We also use the skip trace list and provide up to seven numbers and email addresses. Every list you purchase will be scrubbed against previous purchases. The list guys are here to save you time. Contact the list guys today at www.1listguys.com. That's www.thenumber1listguys.com. Well, I mean, that's a very broad question, but important question nonetheless. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, again, it has to be a case by case. And, um, you know, I just expect if somebody brings me a deal for whatever reason, my first golden rule is this, and it goes back to that win-win. Everybody has to make money. And I always say if the deal is good enough, everybody who's involved in that deal can make money and do well, and they should do well. And that's the goal. And that's the expectation. If the deal is not good, if the margins are too tight, if, if, uh, if the analysis says that, oh yeah, we could make money, but only if these several things happen in sequence, then, you know, I like to tell people sometimes you may, you may want to rethink that deal. And um, another Another quick side note on that before I get back to that original question. I mean, that's another huge thing that I've done over the course of my career, but especially in the last last couple of years, is I have actually talked people out of buying deals. And and the first the first way I did that would say, hey, look, the deal you just presented to me doesn't make sense to me. Uh, I don't want to be a part of it. But then after I tell them that, I spend time with them just because I truly care about whoever I'm dealing with at any level, uh, whether they've, they've a, they're a colleague, they're a friend, or it could be just something, someone I never even met before. But I always, I believe in karma and I believe in, I believe in, you know, the, the, the humanitarian, you know, good way of just working with people, which is 
you know, I, I've told people, I think you, you, be, you know, I'm, if I'm not involved in this deal or whether I'm involved or not, you, you want to reanalyze this thing because I don't see how you can make money off of it. And I don't like to see people get the wrong end of the stick. And so I've actually talked a lot of people um, throughout, throughout the years, um, you know, uh, even if that had nothing to do with me out of deals, or at the very least, I have told them why they should think twice uh, or, or sleep on it before they really commit to it. Um, but to go back, you know, because again, I don't want to see that they, they lose money if, if I can help them, but to go, to go back to it, um, that's what it is. I mean, to, to me, the investor has to do a first round of due diligence themselves. They can't just present a deal to me and expect me to do all the due diligence. I mean, they have to, Mm -hmm. they have to have a clear idea of what they're doing first. Now, if, if they're not experienced enough, then that's a whole other, whole other aspect, but they have to kind of vet the deal first as if they're putting all of their own money into it. Cause uh, that's another thing I learned over the years too, is a huge difference between people call OPM. You know, if it's other people's money, they'll be like, Oh, it's a wonderful deal. And then if it's their own money they're then they're thinking about it five, six, seven times over and over again. So I always yeah, tell much people, more critical, <laughs> much more critical. Exactly. And it's human nature. I don't, I mean, you know, we're all like that. So I, I like to say that person has to really think hard about it's if it's 100% of their own money, um, they got to think, you know, how good of a deal is this and how do they expect to make money? And if they do the proper analysis, then they present the deal to me, then at least we can have, an, have a very educational and strategic conversation about it. And, and I like to put things in rounds. I mean, you know, you're, you, no one's going to understand a specific deal right from the very beginning and same time you know you have to, you have to go through different rounds and sequences and that's one of the i have somewhat not say perfected but i've somewhat uh massaged that whole process over the years which i'd be happy to share with people uh throughout time but i can i can vet deals very quickly um and so and so again it just goes back to understanding the key metrics of that particular deal how that investor plans to make money, how we all expect to make money. And then, and then there's the risk factor, you know, well, nobody wants to, you know, cross the Sahara for a glass of water. So if, if the deal can make money, but it requires so much risk and so much time and all that stuff, then I'm the first to tell that person, you may want to, you may want to rethink this thing. But I think it yeah. just comes back to understanding the key metrics, understanding the deal, itself could be commercial, could be residential. And that's why I don't want to go too specific. I mean, I don't even know what deal we're talking about, but just understanding those key points. Yeah. Uh, I know uh, if I recall correctly, I know you were uh, running short on time. I think you had a meeting at 1230 uh, our time and we're Eastern time right now as we record this uh, on Thursday afternoon. Um, really quickly, uh, what what are you reading right now? What, what book are you reading or uh, what author do you prefer? Or what type of books? So um, we always ask this question. (laughs) Good question. And again, uh, just from the sheer nature of my uh, educational credentials, like I have a a bachelor's degree in international business um, and I have an MBA in real estate finance. So I take education very seriously, um, both from a formal and informal. But I take I take the real world knowledge, you know, and and that's another thing. Like I I try to always balance those two. uh, you know, street knowledge and, and book, book knowledge. Um, so uh, to answer that question on books, I don't have a specific book or 
author I can I can comment on. Maybe the next time we talk, I'll have more specifics. Mm. But I will say I do enjoy any time reading uh, or listening to a podcast, for example, that is about real estate, business, finance, uh, could be about motivation, could be about um, just the, I like to call the intangibles, could be about those things that make people successful, whether they're in real estate or not. Um, you know, and, and so I, I can't give you a specific name, but there are several I do um, in general like to listen to. It's just, you know, education is one of those things where, you know, you it could be educate it could be enlightening for someone and maybe not for someone else for whatever reason. So I just say people should always look at continuously uh, educating themselves. I will say a completely non-real estate, non-business topic. I'm really into playing tennis right now. I enjoy it. And so, you know, um, where, where, where I come from, a real estate, I like to consider myself an expert or, or, or an absolute professional in real estate and finance. Uh, but in tennis, I, I'm, I'm a newbie, but I enjoy playing. And um, so so it's like I can wear my my expert hat in one category and I could wear my student hat in another category. And that's why I bring that up to you. So on, on anything that somebody wants to uh, learn more about, just keep reading, keep listening, keep educating yourself. Um, but it, whether it's real estate or tennis, you have to combine the book uh, knowledge with the street. So somebody, in my opinion, can, can only listen to so, only so many podcasts, read so many books, or if I take the tennis example, can only watch so many YouTube videos. At some point, you got to get out there. At some point, you got to do it yourself. And um, it's, just that, it's just that combination of, of, of both. But by all means, uh, to, everybody should always look at uh, trying to make themselves better and uh, more educated in any topic. And, uh, but, you know, definitely. And I, I, you know, knowing that you're a fan of tennis and, uh, you know, a diehard student of tennis, I was going to bring that up, uh, and, and you already hit it. And, you know, YouTube, uh, university is a, a great way to learn just about anything, but, uh, always do broad research in my experience, because there's just as many people on YouTube uh, presenting bad information is there are people presenting positive or not so much positive, but the correct information. Um, uh, there are people who can be extremely positive, but give incorrect information uh, or just, you know, bad experience uh, to the situation to make something seem off when if you do it the right way or come at it from the right way, it can work. Uh, and, and, but, and then even, you know, the, the same uh, reverse can be said. So that's exactly um, right. I mean, that's such a huge point you brought up, um, you know, whether it's real estate or tennis uh, or any other category, who, who you're listening to uh, is very important because and that's the other thing with social media and with YouTube and many other platforms, anybody could could go on there and say things, but it doesn't mean they're an expert. You have to really dig into well, what have they done? And you know, I've experienced that firsthand in tennis because I have I have listened to YouTube videos and other coaches, and what I found is the, the 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 sometimes you can just get that one coach or that one teacher, and it's so vital because they're teaching you the right way, and and what they're doing is they're teaching you the things that because you could take any category. It could be a baking. It could be a basketball. It could be. Uh, uh, painting could be any any topic 
And there are always people who could give their two cents on a topic. But it's so important to get the right one, the right one that fits with you, but also the right one who can really bring you to the next level. Because, you know, I can learn how to serve from 20 different instructors, but there could be that one who really teaches me the right way. And then that allows you as a student uh, to take what you've learned and then build off of that. And so, so it's important to have a student hat, a, a teacher hat, a coach hat, whatever it is, um, and then really, really analyze it from many different standpoints. But that, that's, that's, that's really critical, what you just said about uh, getting, listening to the right people. Yep, I agree 100%. Uh, well, I definitely appreciate your time today. I know uh, uh, quite often uh, when we're trying to talk, uh, it takes a bit to get uh, get you on the phone. Uh, and it's a matter of, you know, texting and communicating, uh, you know, up until the point where you're finally able to get a, get on the phone. Uh, I've been by your office and I know sometimes uh, sit in the conference room waiting uh, while you finish up uh, other business. Uh, so I'll let you get to uh, your next meeting today. Uh, as always, uh, everybody, please follow us on YouTube. Uh, we're also, you know, Hive With Us podcast is available on all platforms, Apple, Spotify, uh, and the other platforms that are out there. I'm fairly certain we're on that. Uh, we're also available on YouTube. Uh, and this will also broadcast uh, as a live show on uh, Facebook uh, sometime within the next week or two. Uh, we get a hold of Raj, uh, Raj Modi at Raj at Modi.com. Not many people uh, think to just get their last name as the domain name, so that's a pretty bright idea. Uh, I like that. And then, uh, as said, uh, we'll have uh, a domain, a website uh, for you to go to for more information uh, or also for contacting Raj uh, will be added to the show notes uh, for this episode. Uh, so thank you once again, Raj. I appreciate you coming out today and being available. Thank you for having me, Frank. Uh, I had a wonderful time. Uh, I know there's so much more information and content and knowledge to share. This is just a introduction, but I really enjoyed it. And thank you. And uh, for anybody listening, I hope they got at least a little bit out of it. But this is just sort of the, I always say, tip of the iceberg, scratching the surface. And uh, I really hope to uh, share uh, information and knowledge with more people uh, as I do enjoy it. And I do want to see people as a whole do very well in their personal and in their business life. Excellent. Definitely. Appreciate your time once again. Uh, hopefully you have a great day and thank, thank you, you everybody for tuning in to this episode of the Hype With Us podcast. Uh, we'll have the uh, outro following this and everybody have a great day. Hey guys, we hope you're enjoying this content. If you have leads that you need to dispo anywhere in the country, please visit hivebc.io, like hivebuyersclub.io, and we'll help you move those deals that you need to get into the marketplace. Hi everyone, welcome to the Watch Wolf Podcast. If you're tuning in on YouTube or any of the podcasts directly, please just ask you one teeny tiny little favor. If you find any value in this episode or have found value in the episode prior, we just ask 